of God, have in my hand, powerful Word of God, can save lives, heal broken hearts, and remind us Jesus is coming soon, and remind us to never forget that, and to remind us to tell people about it, and we're supposed to get with it, today, here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to my heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Woohoo! Glad to see you. I got to come up with some better phrases. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great worship service today. Good songs. I love to sing a combination of all of our songs. I love it. We're going to begin a series, new series, the Book of Mark. I've never preached through the Book of Mark. It's only 16 chapters. I didn't really think that it uh, warranted a whole lot of attention. Uh, not that any book of the Bible doesn't warrant attention. But I just never really found myself going into this book. And I'm so glad that I did. It's been a real neat journey. Um, last week I was finishing up the, the uh, outlines for this and I was really encouraged by many of the words that I saw. I, of course, you're going to hear similar words from Matthew and Luke and John, but each of them wrote to different groups of people. Matthew wrote... From a genealogical perspective, he wanted to show in the Jewish line how the Messiah came. Luke wrote more about the birth order and the importance of that birth order. John wrote more from just who Jesus is, the personal Jesus. And then Mark writes his book about a servant. And so when he starts, he just jumps right in because he doesn't, he doesn't really concern himself so much with where Jesus came from, he wanted to describe the Jesus who came to serve us, who came to save us. And so with that kind of our launching pad, I hope we can gain a lot from this book. So when we open the book of Mark, Mark starts with, the phrase that I think will cover the remainder of our messages for the next ten weeks. He opens and he calls the Lord, he calls him Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now the name Jesus in the Greek is a transliteration of the Hebrew word, Joshua. It means Jehovah is salvation. So Jesus is a human name revealing the reason Jesus came into the world. He came into the world to save the lost. Matthew 21, Luke 19. I've given you these references in your outline. Be sure and look at those later. But the name Jesus declares His person. The name Jesus 
declares his person. Then he goes on and to say that he is called Christ. Christ identifies Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. The Anointed One. And the name Christ declares His position. So Jesus declares His person. Christ declares His position. And Jesus is pictured as the One who will deliver His people from their enemies. And then He finishes this title by raising the stakes when He calls Jesus the Son of God. Mark lets us know in very clear terms, who he's writing about. He's no ordinary man. He's writing about a man who is God in the flesh. We read that earlier in our memory verses, John 1 and John uh, John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. But the Son of God then declares His power. So, Jesus declares the person, Christ declares His position, the Son of God declares His power. Very pivotal as we study through the book of Mark together. But this title declares in four important truths about him. Number one, that he's truly human. He had the human name, Jesus. Secondly, he is truly divine. He was the promised Messiah. He is the Son of God. Third, he is truly unique. He is both humanity, so human and God in one person. Number four, He is the true source of good news. Jesus alone is our source of salvation. You can't buy it. You can't hope it. You can't wish it. You can't serve it. You can't hope that a title will bring it to you. You can't just show up and assume you can influence about it. You can only get it through Jesus Christ. No other name has been given among men by which they can be saved. Only Jesus will bring you salvation. Not Muhammad. Not Buddha. Not any of the major religions worldwide. Only Jesus. Muslims are coming by the hundreds and thousands to a saving knowledge of Jesus. It's an amazing thing that's happening. Worldwide, Christianity is growing leaps and bounds. The only place that Christianity is not growing is right here in the United States of America. Australia has called for the nation of Australia to pray for the salvation of people in America. Wow. So do we know who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, really is? Well, that kind of gives us an introduction to the book of Mark. Now I want to begin the process of going through the book. Uh, We won't do every chapter, every verse, but we're going to get a good... A good section of it in in our life and in our next ten weeks together. But let's begin. In the book of Mark, we begin with his ministry. Jesus, as Mark writes, he opens with a man coming to prepare the way. 
And that man is John the Baptist. John the Baptist. So Mark lays out in verses 2 and 3, John and his mandate. Now in the ancient times, kings would often send people ahead of them to prepare the way for their coming. And they would do it in two ways. First, they would make certain that the roads were passable. You can't have a king showing up on a road that you can't get down. Second, the forerunner would let the people know that the king is coming. Clean up. Get yourself right. It's kind of like when the preacher comes over to the house. Still to this day, a lot of people, if I let them know I'm coming by their house, they do a little cleaning up in the room where we're going to sit. They don't let me go through every room. They just let me come to the room where they're going to sit. Right? Because you don't want it to look bad. Because the preacher's coming. Now, some of you know me well enough. You go, yeah, well, it's the preacher. Big deal. I showed up at Tyler and April's house. And April made Tyler clean the house. But then he took me through the garage. So what do you do? You know? He said, oh, you're just one of us. So come on. So I just walked in the garage did like he does. Yeah. That's okay. But that's, that was the, the, the main two things that a forerunner did. So John the Baptist fulfilled that. Actually, he fulfilled prophecy in verses 2 and 3 from Isaiah 40 and verse 3 and Malachi 3, 1. But in verse 2, Mark tells us that John's preaching involved preparation. Involved preparation. In verse 2 it says, Just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. So would you underline that phrase, ahead of you? And he will prepare your way. So underline that. So you see, John cleared the way for the coming of the Lord. And he appealed directly to the people. The Jewish leaders, religious leaders, had long ago forgotten the common man. John came preaching to the people, calling them to repent because the Lord, the King, was coming to deliver His people. Then verse 3 Mark lets us know that John's preparation also involved a proclamation. Look at verse 3. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Hopefully you have your Bibles open to John chapter 1 and you're following along with me. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for Him. Underline, voice shouting in the wilderness. John was a voice shouting in the wilderness. He was a lone voice at this time. He was shouting to the dead legalism of the Jews. John was a hard preacher. You would describe him as a hellfire brimstone preacher. Any of you remember those guys? That's all they ever preached about. You come in, sit down in church, and the first thing they do is get up and they'd have their hair sprayed in place. They'd have a white shirt and a black tie and a black suit because you're going to hell if you don't change. Today! Now, they were yellers and screamers too. You remember them? Some of them even scared you into coming to Jesus, didn't they? Maybe we need some of those guys to come back around. I can get that way, but my wife gives me a funny look when I get that way. I believe in my life, in somewhere in my history, in my past, there is some black Pentecostalism. I know there is. Because I could preach in a black church. I could preach in a Pentecostal church. But my little wife, remember that young wife that I have? 
She frowns on that kind of thing. She said, but you're not black. I said, yeah, but I sure like the way they preach. I want to start wearing it. I just want to bring a handkerchief so that when I start sweating, i got to bring out my handkerchief. You know, Brian knows what I'm talking about. He's been in revival meetings with <laughs> there's more than one handkerchief going on. Of course, my, my handkerchief is what you wave at the back going, help him, Lord, help him. Help him, Lord. Yeah. John the Baptist. Let me get back to John. He preached during a period in the Jewish religion when it had become dead. They didn't want to hear truth. Legalism and ritual ruled the day. The Gentiles had given up on religion and they viewed most religious beliefs as superstition and foolish tales. Does that not describe us in 2015? Both groups needed just what John preached. They needed the truth. We're living in that kind of a time. Churches are abandoning the great doctrines of the Bible. And they're preaching either a message rooted in humanism or legalism. You're either going to hell at every turn or anybody gets to go. People are never challenged regarding the sin in their life. If you have sin in your life, it needs to be dealt with. And there's only one person who can deal with that sin. And He did it at the, at the cross. Amen? He did it at the cross. But preacher, I keep sinning. I keep going to the cross. <laughs> Get yourself back to the cross. Lower your pride threshold. Lower your whatever it is. And get right with God. Put sin back. He died for all that sin. He died for your past. We've all got one. But He died for it. Amen? It's gone. Hallelujah. I've got a future that looks bright. I've got a future that looks great. I've got a future that includes heaven. Amen and amen and amen. There's a great need for men and men of God in our day to stand up and open their Bibles, open their mouths, and preach the Word of God. Jesus is coming soon. Sooner than you think. We have no idea what's about to come upon this country of ours because we have turned our back on God for so long. You think God's going to keep blessing a country that curses Him? A country that says it's okay to kill a seven-pound baby? Well, we live in a country that says it's okay to kill a seven-pound baby. Now, that makes it a little bit different when I say abortion. Abortion's kind of, yeah, okay, yeah. But a seven-pound baby, it's okay. Is it okay in your mind? It's not okay in mine. I've got grandchildren that are that size when they were born. Yeah. Do I want to give them up? Do I want... Well, I can describe it for you, but it wouldn't do any good. Jesus is coming soon. We need some John the Baptist to rise up. In fact, you and I are called to be John the Baptist. And from Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, where it says, Preach the Word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct. Rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. See what I'm wanting us to do? Preach the Word! Verses 4 and 5, Mark tells us that John had methods 
John and his methods are described in these two verses. The, the latter part of verse 4, we see John's preaching. John was a preacher. He mixed no words. He said it like it is. <clears throat> and if you got offended, too bad. Because he didn't care about what you thought. He cared more about what the Heavenly Father thought about what he was doing in regards to the Heavenly Father. Shouldn't we be more about that business? Shouldn't we care more about what God thinks about us than what our co-workers think about us? Oh yes, we should. His message was a message of repentance. And that word repentance means a change of mind that results in a change of action. That's what repentance is. Repentance today, however, is defined more like, I'm so sorry that I got caught. But true biblical repentance is when we change our minds and it results in a change of our actions. We are different. We behave different. We do different. Well, I I, I didn't repent that way. Then you better get on your knees and get with it before it's too late. Before it's too late. You see, the Lord is coming. The Savior is coming. And you need to straighten out your crooked hearts. You need to get the way into your heart and get it prepared for the coming of the Lord. You better get ready. Because He's coming. And if you're not ready, you're going to be left behind. John's message was a message of change. He called for repentance, but then it would result in the remission of sin. Remission means forgiveness or pardon of sins as though they had never happened. Wow! They had never happened. John told the people that their repentance would result in God's forgiveness. It is a message that our world needs today. You've got co-workers that need to hear that message. You've got family members that need to hear that message. You've got friends that need to hear that message. Where are the preachers preaching about repentance and remission of sin? Most preachers are too busy stroking people's egos and tickling their ears. Too busy building their crowds and their religious empires. Open the book. Preach the book. Preach the Word. And we, and we need men of God in this day who will lift up voices and thunder out against sin. Don't worry about position and prestige and prosperity or popularity. Stand for the truth. Proclaim the truth. We need preachers who will tell people what God wants them to hear. I know it's hard to preach the truth. Because I know there's people that don't want to listen even in our church there are people who don't want to hear the truth. Well, I've never backed away from teaching you the truth. I don't plan to start today. If you need to get a new preacher, let me know. So let me know. Because I'm not going to back off. In fact, during this whole series, it's going to get pretty rough. Because God has already beat me up, so I'm just going to share the load with you, alright? Oh, it's coming. <laughs> Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4, For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. If that's not a description of America 2015, I don't know what is. Churches, 
40, 50,000 people every, every weekend. Tens and twenties of thousands. Two thousand. There's a, there's a preacher friend of mine who goes to a large church preacher's convention. In other words, if you're in a small church, you can't come. Because the conference is going to take the large church preachers to a new level. Well, how many more can you squeeze in? Oh, we got a, their, their electric bill is higher than our budget for the whole year. But by God, we got to have those massive buildings, don't we? What are you going to have when the financial calamity comes? Oh, we're secure here in America, broke preacher. <laughs> okay. You've been to 2008. Did you live through that? The next one's going to be cakewalk compared to 2008 will be a cakewalk compared to what comes next. Oh boy. Oh boy. Some of you need to get your heads out of the sand, don't you? The need for a prophet of God like John the Baptist has never been greater. First part of verse 4 is John's practice. Mark talks about it. He did something else that was unusual in his day. He baptized Jews. <laughs> he baptized them. When a Gentile became a Jewish convert, that person would be, would be baptized as a symbol of their changed life. Baptism was not new. The, the way John was using it was. John didn't baptize people to make them right with God. They had already done that. The preaching. Uh, he preached baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Because their hearts were right with God, then they were ready to be identified with God, and that's what baptism does. It identifies us with God. You take a, you take a strong stand, amen? You take a strong stand. Baptism is a picture of a person dying to their old life of sin and rising to walk in a new life. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are going to be a new creature. Verse 5 Then Mark describes John's power. We're told that many of the people living in that region came to John the Baptist to be baptized. These people made a break with their past and were changed by the power of God. Some have estimated that as many as 300,000 people may have been baptized by John and his disciples. Isn't that a staggering number? And the point is they would travel 20 miles by foot to come to John in the Jordan River baptizing people outside of Jericho. Just north of the Dead Sea, so all their sins would flow into the Dead Sea. Har, 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 har. But he preached the Word of God. And God honored His Word and His preaching. And people responded. Not everyone was happy with John's ministry. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to see what he was all about. What's he stirring up down there? They came to criticize John and to criticize his message. These were the religious leaders. Why? Because they'd lost the power long ago. They didn't care anymore. They were the big boys on the block. They were the big church preachers. And the little church preachers don't matter anymore. The preachers who preach the truth, they're just radicals. Now, I'm going to be a radical. (laughs) I want to be a radical. They're not going to put my name in the paper. I don't want my name in the paper. I just want my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to take you with me. I want your name beside my name. In fact, I'll put your name above my name. That's where it needs to be. Because Jesus loves us that much. Amen? He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants us all to come to repentance. Today is the day. Folks, don't put it off another day. 
Don't put it off another day. We're living in hard times spiritually. There's a, there's a trend towards seeker-friendly and feel-good religions. People who call uh, sin what it is and who call people to repent, they're getting fewer and fewer by the day. Isaiah 55.11, let's look at it. Isaiah 55.11, powerful verse. It is the same with My Word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. God's Word will always produce fruit. It will never come back void. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's Word is powerful, folks. Get it out there. Put it in the life of your kids. We're bringing young people into this church who don't have a family background, who don't have a church background, who don't have any idea what the Bible is or what Christ is or what the church is, and we're teaching them. They're memorizing Scripture. They're bringing a Bible. They're excited about the Lord. Woo, when do we get that way? We come dragging it in. Oh, got to go again. Here we go. Well, get up, Martha. Got to get down to church house. Well, what are we going for? Well, I don't know. You know, we just I've got to see my friends down there. I want to see them once a week. Here we go. Man, won't you come in excited and enthused about the Lord? Mm-mm. I know they'll think we're crazy around here. Raise your hand. What? What? Some of you have the audacity. Turn the song to raise your hand. Get it. Verse 6, Mark talks about John and his manner. His fashion. John was a very fashion conscious preacher. (laughs) He didn't care what he looked like. He put on camel's hair, I think it was. And I don't know, I've never worn camel's hair. Anybody worn camel's hair? Doesn't sound like it's a great fashion statement. Ate honey and wild locusts. So I guess Golden Corral Buffet wasn't around for him. Heavens no, he probably didn't make it to Brahms. Hey, grasshoppers. Wow, what an idiot. That's what some people thought. He's, he's an idiot. He's crazy. He's a lunatic. His fashion and his food, and, and we were kind of talking about his food and his fashion. He, when you look at him, you'd say, man, we cannot have that guy preach at our church. He doesn't look right. It's kind of like the church that was hiring a new preacher. And the new preacher decided to see what kind of church that he had just signed on to be a preacher for. So the first Sunday, he had a few people in on, on the deal, but the first Sunday he showed up, and his hair was unkempt, and he was—he he hadn't shaved, shaved and, and he hadn't showered for several days, so the old body odor was getting a little strong. He, he misbuttoned the shirt that he had that had a tear in it, but he misbuttoned it so it wouldn't look right, so he looked like he was drunk. His pants were all wrinkled up, had a few stains on them, urine stains. He did that on purpose, because that has a... Interesting aroma about it. And then he came in and he sat down about the middle way up. And everybody around him began to scoot away from him. And they were, the house was full because their new preacher was going to be introduced that day. <laughs> so the elders got up to introduce the new preacher. And they said, Preacher, would you come on up to the stage? 
And everybody's just looking around because they haven't seen him yet. And they're excited about him. And you can imagine how they felt when that old boy got up out of the seat and walked up to the stage. And you know what he said? He kind of brushed his hair down a little bit and he said, You know, the Lord's called me to preach. And I just wanted to see what kind of people I was going to be preaching to. That day, a hundred people came forward to the invitation time asking for God's forgiveness, for judging someone by the way they looked and the way they smelled. You know, if you can get a church to do that, you got churches fixing to do something. But if we're so satisfied and we're so complacent and we're so set in our ways, shame on us. Shame on us. John's manner was unusual, but his message was crystal clear. He was a Nazarite. His hair and his beard never was trimmed. People would react to him in amazing ways. It's kind of like when our son Mark walks in with that old scraggly beard he's got. Lincoln wouldn't even talk to him yesterday. She cried. Because she looked at that beard. She sees her dad. He's clean cut. He's nice. You know, salesman looking guy. And then Mark, Uncle Mark comes in. John the Baptist walks in. <laughs> he goes, come here, Lincoln. She goes, ah! <laughs> she, she thought, you're giving me away to somebody, refugee. We live in a, we live in a crazy time. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know these verses, but they're powerful. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. Uh, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that we find, that He will find acceptable. And this is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And in 2 Corinthians 6.17, another powerful verse. Therefore, come, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. You know, we're going to have to be separate, folks. We're going to have to stand up and be counted. 25% of America says they're Christian only because they don't want to be labeled atheist or agnostic. They don't really have a, a faith in God. They don't really have a connection to God. They just say they're Christian just because. But there's going to come a time when you're going to have to truly be a Christian. If the Supreme Court, you need to pray. If the Supreme Court rules in favor of homosexual marriage, it will radically, drastically change the churches in America. Be ready. I'm telling you now. So be praying. Be praying. So it's, it's unfortunate that, and really it's a small minority of people that have made that, that change. Uh, there's actually about 1% to 2% of America that would claim that they're in that lifestyle. But we need to love the person. We do. You know, I've told you that many, many times. Sin is sin. If I put a blank out there and say sin, you can put all kinds of things in there. Okay? But we need to love the person instead of the, judge the sin that's in their life. Amen? I mean, I'm an overeater, but you've accepted me. So why couldn't you accept someone else that might have another sin in their life? 
Well, yeah, but you're, you're trying to do something about it. Well, maybe they are too. My job is to love people. Amen? Isn't that our job really is to love people? Well, Jesus went to the woman at the well. Did He condemn her? No. In fact, He offered her living water. But He did call a spade a spade, didn't He? He told her, he told her about the sin in her life. But He said, I've got an answer for the sin. And so do you and I. Amen? Yeah, we do. We do. But you see, we live in an evil time. If it wasn't the gay movement, it would be some other movement that's going to come after the church. So you, you see what I'm saying? Let's focus on people and loving people and caring about people and trying to get them to find the Jesus that you and I love. That died on the cross for you and me. Because He died on the cross for them too, didn't He? Yes, He did. Yes, He did. Verses 7 and 8, Mark tells us about John and his message. In verse 7, the message that Mark describes from John, it was, it was a message of a humble servant. John was a bold preacher, but he understood where he was with God. Look at, look at the statement. I am nothing, but he is everything. I don't, I didn't come to call people to me. I came to point people to, what's your version say? Jesus. To Him. I came to point people to Him. Humility is really lacking in our day and age. Humbleness is a trait that we need to develop more. See, oftentimes we'll say, you know, compared to that person, <laughs> I don't look too bad. That's the wrong prayer. We need to pray the prayer of the publican who said, Lord, forgive me, because I'm a sinner. I don't need to compare my walk with your walk. My walk's screwed up enough. I don't need to compare mine to yours. But God can handle all of it, can He? And the people began to hear John's preaching and they flocked to Him. John was willing to step aside and let Jesus shine. John 3.30 is a great verse. Check it out. But verse 8, we see then Mark telling us John's message was of a holy Savior. John told them that when Jesus came, He would do spiritual work in their hearts. John was using a material element, water, to baptize their bodies. Jesus would use a spiritual element, the Holy Spirit, to baptize their souls, to cleanse them, cleanse them from within, to make them holy. John was taking them and placing them under the water in a symbol of their repentance. Jesus would take them and He would wash their sins away with His blood and give them new life. And the Holy Spirit would take residence in them and they would find a joy they'd never found before. They would find a peace that they'd never understood before. And they would have what they've never experienced before because Jesus will bring it to you. The Holy Spirit will fill you with it. And oh, hallelujah, you can rejoice in it. In it. The message of John the Baptist, He preached an unusual message. He didn't preach to gain the favor of men. He didn't preach to grow a great ministry. He didn't preach to attract a crowd. He didn't preach to get a $65 million jet. He preached a simple message about a wonderful Savior named Jesus. He preached a simple message about the need of people to deal honestly with their sin. 
He preached a message that those people needed to hear. And he preached a message that we need to hear today as well. Has the Lord spoken to you today? Do you sense the need to come to Jesus to be saved? The good news is you can. If you will come to Him and repent of your sins and call on Him by faith, He will save you. He will forgive you. And then when you can identify with that touch of God in baptism, you'll rise to walk in a new life. Oh my goodness, what God can do. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. You used to be really close to Him, and for some reason, whatever, life happens. It does happen. But it's caused you to kind of stray away. good news is, in an instant you can come back. In an instant you can come back. I love the story of the prodigal son where the dad saw the son coming up the walk, and he says he ran to him. That's, that's the God I know. God runs to us. Whenever we take a look, He, he will run to us. But maybe you've become self-conscious about the way you've been taught. Maybe you are hearing the siren call of the modern churches calling you away from the old paths of the Word of God. You know, if you need to come back and get things settled with God, today would be the day to get that done. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this morning. Thank You for these that are here and have heard this message. They're here for a reason, and You had them here for a reason to hear this message this day. God, we need You in such a powerful way to demonstrate that love and power in us. And you are standing ready to do that if we will but let you. So God, I'm praying that there will be those today who will respond to you. Some may not come forward. Some may just do it from right where they are. The good news is your Holy Spirit can cover us either place. So God, would you fill us, prick us, but more than anything, may we sense your love today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a decision.